This is Speaking of Writers on Capital Region Sunday. I'm Steve Richards. Senator Joe McCarthy's personal and professional papers, his medical records, the transcripts of his closed-door congressional hearings, all have been under lock and key for 70 years until now. They were released exclusively to best-selling author Larry Tai, so he could give a thorough account of McCarthy's life as a public figure and demagogue, the life and long shadow of Senator Joe McCarthy. Ty also gained unprecedented access to McCarthy's surviving family members, former colleagues, friends, adversaries, and hundreds of others close to the man who destroyed many careers and even entire lives, who whipped the nation into a frenzy of paranoia, accusation, loyalty, oaths, and terror for four long years. Demagogue is a masterful portrait of a man capable of great evil and great charm, a man who rose and fell with terrifying swiftness. Larry Ty is the best-selling author of Bobby Kennedy and Satchel, as well as Superman, the father of Spin, Homelands, and Rising from the Rails, and co-author with Kitty Dukakis of Shock, previously an award-winning reporter and national writer at the Boston Globe and a Neiman Fellow at Harvard University. He now runs the Boston-based Health Coverage Fellowship and lives in Massachusetts. Happy to have Larry Ty join me now here on Speaking of Writers. Larry, welcome to this program. Great to be back on with you. Today, all sides of the political divide, Larry, tossed around labels of McCarthyism as if it was whatever they aren't. But the record is clear on what McCarthy did and didn't do and just who his political descendants are. So just who are today's real sons of McCarthy? So there are lots of people who um, are guilty of the same reckless accusation, the same political double-dealing, and the same basically willingness to do anything, and I mean anything, to gain and to hold on to power. But we can't ignore the fact that there is one person more than any who seems to be McCarthy redux, and that is the occupant of the White House. And that is, again, not an accident, because Donald Trump's tutor back in the 1980s was Joe McCarthy's protege back in the 1950s, and that is Roy Cohn. We're chatting with Larry Ty here on Speaking of Writers. His new book is Demagogue, The Life and Long Shadow of Senator Joe McCarthy. It's back up here. So what led you to McCarthy? I was intrigued partly by the fact that for my last book, The Bio of Bobby Kennedy, one of the people that I interviewed was Ethel Kennedy, Bobby's widow. And she said something to me that I could never get out of my head. She said that Joe McCarthy might have been a monster to much of America, but to she and Bobby, he was just plain good fun. And the idea of Joe McCarthy as good fun is something that seems so counterintuitive that I was intrigued and wanted to learn more about that side of Joe McCarthy. I was also driven to write the book the day after the 2016 election when it was clear that McCarthy was not going to be just the story of ancient history, but might be the story of today. In his early runs for office, Larry, McCarthy was branded a fraud for claiming to be a hero of World War II. His campaign moniker, Tailgunner Joe, became a joke, too. And this was said to be where he first learned to tell the big lie. But the newly opened Marquette archives tell a decidedly different story, one that redeems not just Joe's claims, but his medals as well. What do his personal diaries and military records tell us about Joe's real war record? So they told us that he was keeping a real-time diary the whole time he was in the South Pacific during World War II. And in that diary, he talked about the fact that, yes, his official assignment on that island was as a land-based intelligence officer, but, yes, he did, as he claimed, go up, 
for flights that he volunteered for that put him in, in harm's way, and for many of which he was, in fact, the tail gunner that he said. And it wasn't just his accounts. It was letters left behind by his squad mates on those islands. And they showed us in some that at least in this case, the lies that we thought he was telling were in fact true. And the lesson may be, if you embellish enough, when you're actually telling the truth, we're not going to believe you. Joe McCarthy, like all of us, was a product of various parts of his upbringing, from his parents and life on the farm just outside uh, Appleton, Wisconsin, to his training as an engineer and lawyer at Marquette, to his early years in Wisconsin politics as well. What roots that McCarthy sprang from best explain who he became? So I think it's not fair to actually um, lay the blame for who he became on anybody in his family, that he was such a shock and such an aberration. His parents were hardworking farmers. His brothers and sisters went on to do very conventional things that you expected people to do from rural Wisconsin in that era. And it was Joe McCarthy who was the aberration. It was McCarthy who, from his earliest moments after graduating from eighth grade, was going out and trying to prove himself and to be a bigger-than-life character, whether it was the poultry farm that he launched, whether it was working to make his store the best in the chain of cashway stores, which are like today's 7-Elevens, or whether it was making it through four years of high school in a single year at age 20, and in his first race for office, setting the template. And that race was actually when he was at Marquette University running for president of his high school class running against a very affable guy named Charlie Curran. And Curran and McCarthy agreed that they would do the gentlemanly thing, that they would vote for the other one. Both of them did that in round one. When that turned up a dead tie, in the second round, McCarthy won by two votes, his vote and Curran's vote. And when Curran challenged him and said, what the heck are you doing here? You made a promise. He said in a fashion that would ring reminiscent of everything that he was going to do later on in life. He said, look, I promised everybody that I was, who I was campaigning with that they should go out and vote for the best man for the job, and you wouldn't want me to have done anything less than that. It was John McCarthy again showing that what shone through the most in everything he did was his opportunism. Chatting with Larry Ty here on Speaking of Writers, his new book is Demagogue, The Life and Long Shadow of Senator Joe McCarthy. I mentioned uh, in the introduction, Larry, that you gained unprecedented access to McCarthy's surviving family members, former colleagues and friends. What did they say about him? What surprised you the most after talking to those folks? So it didn't surprise me that his family and his colleagues defended him. And they helped me see, on the one hand, that this was a guy that after grilling witnesses during the day, he would invite those same witnesses out for a drink, because to him, it was all a game, and you had to understand the rules of it. And from talking to them, I was actually convinced that I would love to have gone out for a beer with this guy and seen the charming side that captured the state of Wisconsin and had it vote overwhelmingly for him twice, and captured America to the point where, by 1954, he was the second most popular political figure in the country, trailing only Eisenhower. But the other side of what I saw, when I talked to the family members of his victims, of the people he targeted, 
I saw that he had an impact that didn't go away when he stopped his grilling. Nearly a dozen of his targets actually took their own life in a way that could be traced to Joe McCarthy. Hundreds of them watched their careers being ruined, and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Americans, felt that they couldn't talk about politics without worrying that if they looked a little bit left, that they would be labeled a red or a pinko. Larry, McCarthy went from being a little-noticed junior senator from Wisconsin to the second most popular national figure in American politics in less than three years. Barely six months later, his poll numbers plummeted, and Congress punished him with a scathing report and a censure resolution. What fueled the overnight rise and his even quicker fall? So a lot of people look at the Army McCarthy hearings and rightfully say he took on an enemy in the U.S. Army too big to bully. His charges at the Army base that he was investigating in New Jersey was infested with nests of red moles simply wasn't true. But I think what really did it was Americans getting to watch him up close on television in the most heavily watched hearings in our history of congressional hearings, and they saw that this guy was not the champion that they thought. They saw that he looked more like the town bully, and I think he did himself in. Joe McCarthy wasn't the first demagogue in American history. There was a long line of imitators who came afterwards. To what extent did McCarthy follow in the footsteps of Huey Long, Senator Bilbo, and and other early American populists and demagogues? So he absolutely followed in their footsteps. He took all the things in terms of wanting to, um, instead of having a solution, wanting to point fingers, in terms of aiming wrecking balls at his assailants, That was in the mode of Huey Long. It was in the mode of the radio preacher, Father Charles Coughlin, the the notorious anti-Semite. But McCarthy perfected their techniques in a way that he drew on what came before and he became the absolute archetype or role model for every demagogue who came after. And let's finally talk about legacy. What should be Joe McCarthy's ultimate legacy? So his legacy was being able to brilliantly diagnose the fears of America, but instead of giving us a way to really attack those fears and attack the sources of them, he gave us simple answers and gave us a bullying practice of American politics that I hope is something we will be better as we go forward in seeing through. And the good news of my book is that over our long history of demagogues, Every one of them, given the rope, has managed to hang themselves. Larry Ty, the book is Demagogue, the Life and Long Shadow of Senator Joe McCarthy. Larry, thank you so much for joining me. Great having you. Uh, great being with you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And this is Speaking of Writers, and that is Capital Region Sunday, a production of Town Square Media Albany for this week. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week with another edition. I'm Steve Richards.